Welcome back again to Below Average Gaming, where if you pay a small nominal fee and then also update your season's pass every two months, you can listen to our podcast now ad-free. So we're going to make sure we add some ads in. That way you have a reason to throw money at us. I'm here with Big Bucks No Morality Michael. How's it going? Wow, I was not ready for that. And, and it's going pretty good this morning. You, want, you, want, you also won't be ready for all the loot boxes you're going to get with each code oh. that you put in on our website that we're going to secretly throw into every podcast at random segments. It's going to be brilliant. We're going to make millions of dollars and we're going to pay ourselves in gold boats. It's going to be the best. I feel like a gold boat is really impractical. Exactly. The more practical it is, the more you can flex on them. But like, I don't even need this. I don't have any point for this, but it's here and it's mine. Doesn't a gold boat just like not really work? It doesn't have to work. It just has to <laughs> oh, be oh, there okay. for you to spend money on it. You know, as long as I can spend my money on it, I earn from everyone else. It's fine. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> so... Before we get into the main topic here of talking about how companies can make some money, but maybe there's some good and bad balance to that when it comes to games and everything, I wanted to follow up on one thing. Follow up on Mario Odyssey. I have one gripe with that game now. Just one. The game's really good. I have one small, little tiny gripe. Just a little bit. I really wish I could get all the moons from each world when I go there the first time. Well, I mean, you just have to go back after beating the game. I know, and I'm, I'm glad that I figured it out early enough, and that you kind of, like, you know, somewhat told me to not worry about them right now, is that we were spending a good amount of time going in trying to get all the moons, and then I very quickly realized that wasn't possible. So, I get it. It kind of feels weird going back, though, because we are trying to get all the moons, and I think we're about halfway done right now, all the moons. I think How many moons are you at? We're at 400 and something, I think. So I think we're about halfway. Because yeah, 880 is the cap for unique moons. Yeah. Although your last, like, 200 will probably go a lot slower than your first six. Yeah. I'm Yeah, I'm pretty sure some of these are going to get a little nuts. A few of them already have been kind of ridiculously complicated in a very fun way, though. The game feels pretty good still. Yeah, like, the, the, the big thing that I found... <clears throat> Is because the moons that you can't find, like, the first time through, all come out of, like, the moon rock, and you can get it, like, and they actually give you, like, some sort of indicator on your map. I didn't think it was too bad. Mm-hmm. It's just a funny thing, though, that just, uh, when games do that in general, I'm usually not, like, the biggest fan of it, where you have to do a level, beat the game, go back. It's, it's a little bit different when it's just, like, a couple things, but definitely Odyssey, it's every single world. You kind of have to go back, but which is fine though. The game's still amazing. I still really liked it. I had a few twists and turns towards the end that it was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like the, as you continue unlocking more stuff after you beat the game has been really sweet. Like having new places to go is really cool. Yeah. Well, and I, I could be wrong on this because I haven't played the game in a while, but to my understanding, a lot of the post game moons were in the new sub areas. Oh, Okay. And, like, the new, like, square... Or, yeah, like, the square pipes. 
Oh, gotcha. And so because they were actually like new secret areas that weren't accessible before, I didn't really have an issue with it. But like, I hate it when a game goes and you have, like you play through the whole game and then the game tells you, oh yeah, there's this secret if you play each level this way. And it's like, well, I already played half the levels that way, but I have to go back and do it again. You're not going to count it. <laughs> yeah. At least it's not as bad as how some other games do it, where if you want to see everything, you have to literally start the game over and redo it. Uh, Horizon had a weird thing with me where there wasn't New Game Plus when the game started, so I beat the game, and I have to beat the game again if I want to go back and experience it on New Game Plus, so I have to do the ending again. Like, stuff like that's way, way worse than what Odyssey did, and it's not even that big of a complaint. It's a preference thing, so it's not like it would affect my suggesting it to anyone. It was just, you know, a, a minor thing. I figured I'd get your input on. Yeah, the, the, that's <laughs> interesting, because, like, as I said... The way Odyssey did, did did it didn't bother me at all. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, makes sense why you know it didn't. Uh... And I think I think a big chunk for that is I don't think when I went through the game the first time, I would have been able to get all the moons even if I put my mind to it. Is another thing. Yeah, I definitely got better at that game and understood more of what it was doing when we get further into it. The moon level, the moon was the big deal for me. When it came to that, because the the low gravity gave me more of a chance to screw around and be like, well, can I just do this stuff without the low gravity? And then that's where I found out a lot of traversal stuff. I think I've gotten to places that, yeah, I would never would have gotten to them without being on that moon level and like taking the time to goof around a bit. But you're you're done the game now. So yes. you've, you've rolled credits because you finished the yeah, moon. Yeah, exactly. And now you're just back looking for other ones. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you haven't gone to Moon's the last kingdom you've gone to. Or Mushroom, I guess. Uh, but there's the dark side stuff now. Have you done dark side yet? Uh, I wasn't in the mood. That's fair. Because I was like, oh, this this is painful. I'm going to come back to this later when I don't yeah, feel a little I think, sick. I guess dark side's unlocks at 300 moons, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've got, I think there's one more thing I have to unlock. On the Odyssey, like the Odyssey, still asking me for moons, so there's a little there's bit one more to go. Kingdom. Yeah, which is exciting. I'm pretty excited about that. Anywho, enough about Mario. That game's years old. So we want to talk about money. How do we get the money? How do we spend the money? Money, 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 money. So how do you want to start this off here? Um. I don't know. Do you want to start with the good or the bad? Let's let, let's do some bad. I'm feeling I'm feeling bad today. Some bad. Yeah. Okay. So the the big topic today is we're going to be talking about how companies and specifically game companies make their money, what they do to decide to make it, and how that like impacts the game itself and the player base. So I think. Do you want to? Can we actually talk magic to start? Yes, I'm in. Recently, I feel like I'm gonna, yeah, I feel like I'm gonna bug people with this opinion, but magic's monetization is really good. Like, actually, really good. Sure, hmm. like you can say standard is a little bit predatory because in some ways it is. You're rotating out cards, and people have to keep buying them and stuff like that. But standard sets are priced reasonably. They've always been priced the same. Secret layers are ingenious, bar, like 
obviously the Walking Dead one has issues, but the concept of being alt art cards, like alternate art serum visions and snowlands and all this stuff in a special collector's edition is brilliant. It's really good monetization in my part. I even like master sets. Admittedly, like, I don't even think the price of master set is wrong. Like double masters you could have released at half the price. But the product is fine at that price. Your complaints about Magic, or the majority of complaints about Magic's cost and Magic's, like, how much it costs to play Magic and the monetization of Magic, is the fact of the secondary market and the fact that Wizards doesn't want to support older formats, so they don't reprint Fetchlands. Sorry to break it to you, that's why Fetchlands aren't being reprinted, but... They actually monetize the game well. Secret Layer and all these alternative products that appeal to a different audience or appeal to someone or something special for someone aren't a bad thing. Like, everyone who gets, who looks at, oh, a new Secret Layer is getting released and is like, well, damn corporate America, I hate companies trying to make money. What? Yeah, it's like companies need to make money one way or another. Not everything can be free, not everything can be super cheap. Uh, on the secret layer thing, I was pretty in for them until the Fetchland one came out, which I think the only issue I have with the Fetchland one is it should have been a little cheaper than it was. And the fact they just put a bigger box around it to say that's why it costs more was kind of lame. I don't know. It just seemed like a really weird excuse to acknowledge the secondary market, even though when they're not supposed to, because they just made a bigger box to make it cost more. Like that was kind of lame. It was still good, though. I think it's still a good thing, though, the way they did it, that they have Secret Layer Fetchlands. It's obviously a good product to put out because some people really like it. It's just... It, it so has curious, to be... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Curious your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. Do you think... So, ignoring the question of, I personally don't think they want to support Modern or Legacy, and I think that is playing into their decision to not reprint Fetchlands in a way that makes them more affordable. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Secret Layer Fetchlands would have got more or less backlash if it was released at the same price as other fe- Secret Layers? I think it would have gotten back. If it was, if it was released the hmm. exact same way as every other Secret Layer, would it, ha- would it have got more or less backlash from the community? I think it would have gotten backlash from the other, not necessarily the other half, but another portion. But people that also were mad at the heavy cost probably would have complained too. I was just thinking, like, from my opinion, it should have had more of a middle ground-ish price to it. But no. But no, I think too that, like, people would have complained either way because that's what the magic community is. It's a bunch of people that complain that have nothing positive to say. And it's difficult because when they do something right, they rarely get to know about it from people because they don't Nobody says anything. With with the Fetchland one, it was too high, in my opinion, but there's also too low. Where you do have to care about card prices to a point, because otherwise your game crashes. It's happened with a lot of other card games too, including Magic back when they did Chronicles. Like apparently Magic was like way worse off than I thought it was when that came out, and I actually heard uh, a former Wizards employee talk about it one time. They're just like, no, you, know, you guys don't get it. 
Chronicles, the big giant reprint, actually almost killed it. Like, we almost died. And, you know, so there is a balance. You do have to care a little bit. And having special editions of stuff, I think, is good. Because it does let the company make money. And people that have extra income to spend on their hobbies should be the ones buying it. Uh, Fear of missing out, which I'm sure will be a big part of this conversation in a way where people just like i don't want to miss out on this blah 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 it's like that's not their problem that's your problem (laughs) it's not a company's problem that you have an addiction that you're not recognizing and i think that's something that uh maybe we could have said later on but i think getting it out of the way first to help kind of structure these conversations a little better is that if you feel like you're missing out because you don't have a special edition of something in a game and then you buy it because of that, you should kind of think about that a little bit and assess where you're at mentally in accordance with your hobby. Like, I know I have a problem with that sometimes with games, too. Like, even with, like, Magic and missing out on the new set or missing out on the new standard, just on, like, Arena has been a big thing for me, and I choose not to, like, play it right now. It's like, why am I playing this game that isn't enjoyable and still spending money on it? But to kind of wheel back around here with the secret layers a bit. Yeah, I think... I think what it is, is people are going to complain either way if something's too cheap or too expensive. And I think the good middle ground is to make sure your company is doing okay. Which I know Wizards made like some kind of like really good profit margin this year. Without a lot of competitive support. So I don't think competitive is really their target audience anymore. Well, I agree with that. I also don't think that means that they can ignore the competitive environment. No, I think yeah, <clears throat> because yeah. even if competitive is like even if competitive is what generously 15% of their market and like that's being generous. It's probably 5 to 10. You still have to accept that that's a thing and this comes into the from a business perspective. I think you can hit both markets. It's not a one or the other. Which, like, some people are like, well, it's either you cater to, like, the casual EDH group or you cater to the the competitive players. I don't think it is. I think we had a long time in Magic where it catered to both. Yeah. You could definitely see they're pushing harder on Commander as a format. Due to Commander-specific products, we're getting more than one a year now. And they're definitely, like, testing the waters with that a bit. We had a lot of Command Fests happening. They were just like, you know, large conventions for specifically Commander is a big part of it. But, and that's the thing too that's tricky is you can't make Commander competitive because it kind of ruins Commander to, to me. What, you don't like CEDH? CEDH is just a way for people that think that they're like hot shit to like show off their special little cdh deck it's like just go play vintage man it's basically all one of anyways come on <laughs> no it's just i do agree that having a competitive scene that's healthy is good that's why you see card games have ban lists and they try to curate their their formats it's just magic obviously doesn't seem to be in a spot where they want curated as much or care as much even with magic in, in, in particular with the ban list lately like everybody in their grandma knew that just banning uro in that format wasn't good enough and then they banned more stuff like just a couple weeks later and there's this like 
the format's still like fine. I don't know. It's still not very enjoyable for me where it's at right now. So I'm not too worried about going back. And a lot of people too that are big streamers that basically just quit magic because they don't see a reason to keep playing. Which is like sad, right? And it's just like, is Wizards monetization methods now causing people to quit? Or is it just the format as a whole? Should they care about competitive more? I don't know. There's a there's a lot that goes into where magic is right now. I think the I think the hard thing with magic is I think people focus and talk about the monetization methods being bad, and I don't think they are. It's kind of where I'm coming from. Where people always say, like, Secret Layer is what killed Magic. Like, people had, like, said that Secret Layer was going to kill Magic. And people complain about, like, the price of Master's sets. And I don't think that just... I don't think it's bad. I think the way that they've priced most of their products has been great. I think most of their products are really good. I think Commander Legends, which is... That's the right name, right? For the Commander set. I think it's a great product to be coming out. I think releasing, like, they released Brawl decks and they released, like, EDH decks and all that stuff. Like, I think all those things are good. I just think they're, like, I think the game's dying because of a design philosophy. Which I don't think actually relates to, like, the monetization aspect of it. Because I think they've made very good decisions across the board. And you can tell that because of how much money they're making, even when their game isn't necessarily doing the best. Yeah. From a competitive standpoint. Yeah, there's... Design is the issue. Like, Brawl decks are really cool, but then you put Brawl-only cards in there, and then that ruins competitive. You print Secret Lair Walking Dead that has cards in it that are really cool, but are also only in there, which then has a problem with competitive. And they've been doing this for since before M13. Yeah, because Scavenger News was prior to M14. So it's just like... They have a history of printing cards that are competitive in one-off sets, which sucks because that makes all the rest of Secret Lair look bad. Like, there's a lot of really cool Secret Layers out there. Like, the Thalia one, I love that Secret Layer. I think there's a really cool idea. I even tried to plug some minor, you know, causes into it or awareness stuff into Secret Layers, which I think is, like, kind of really cool and having representation in them. With the Thali one in particular, they said that's why they wanted to do it. Was to push that character because it's such a cool character. So yeah, it, it sucks because when they make decisions that are really, really good money-wise. And I think monetarily, like, very good for the company, good for the consumer. But then the competitive aspect of Magic throws a wrench into it. Because they do things like Walking Dead. Or Scavenger News. Or True Name Nemesis. Or... Things that are only foil, so you actually can't play them. So it's just like, really just like a minor bit of adjustments. And Wizards could really be knocking out of the park when it comes to monetization. But just every single time they do something really good, they push it one step too far. In my opinion. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Do you have a, a game that you think does monetization really bad that you want to talk about? Really bad. Really badly. Hmm. Which one do I think does it really bad? I have a list here. Oh, this is so tasty. Um, I don't know every single online card game outside of Runeterra. Does that count? That counts. I just don't think wild cards, dusting, uh, reimbursement of wild cards for decks is a good idea for card games when they're so expensive up front. 
particularly like like once again with Magic Arena, as somebody who could play anything they want on Magic Arena. We all know card games are synergy based, a lot of them. So like if a card gets banned and you get reimbursed for that card, what about the rest of your entire deck that doesn't work anymore? That's a big part of it. Uh, I know what happened with me with Hearthstone. I didn't even realize how the reimbursement feature works on there, which is my my bad on that one, I guess. But even so with Hearthstone or anything like that, like if you're playing some deck that requires all odds or all evens in Hearthstone and your card gets banned or nerfed really badly and you have all these odd one of things or everything that's all odd or all even, you're like missing half of a deck now. So you have to like repurchase to rebuild which is something that affects card games a lot. We're like Rune Terra being as cheap as it is. If your deck gets like nerfed really bad, you can give them a twenty dollar bill and buy two more decks. Yeah, and I think I think Magic Arena does it the worst. I actually I think the dusting system is better than the wild card system in Arena. Just because with the dusting system, you still can regain something. So if you get your, like, say you built uh, the, like, Gen deck, which I think is the all-even or all-odds deck. Mm-hmm. If Gen, when Gen gets nerfed or banned, you can still disenchant all of the other cards in your deck. Admittedly, you're not getting full value for them. Yeah, that sucks. You'll get full, full value for Gen. But at least you can turn those into something. Whereas on Arena... Uh, say like Kethis combo, if Kethis got banned, every single other card in that deck is probably just unplayable and you're getting nothing back for them. So it's nice that there's some form of mobility in Hearthstone. It's still not perfect. And Runeterra does stand way above just because of how accessible they made it. And when they rolled out the game, they wanted people to know that. So they didn't let you spend money when the game now, got released. My question here about Runeterra though, which I find interesting and I'm just really curious and you think about this. Can Rune Terra do that because League is so popular and makes so much money that they can afford to make less money on Rune Terra and have a better system? Or is it that system that incentivizes people to play more and spend money on it? I would imagine that Runeterra was able to be rolled out with that system because League exists. Yeah. I also imagine that at this point, Runeterra is revenue positive. Yeah, I think... And I think yeah. I think that comes down to the fact that Riot has the best monetization of almost any gaming company in cosmetics. As someone who's played some amount of Runeterra, I have not bought cards because the free-to-play model is good. I have bought cosmetics. Yeah, which I I really like when a game stands up on its own, like Runeterra or League of Legends, without you having to spend money. But if I really appreciate the game and want to support it, then I spend money on it. It's like that a lot with League of Legends skins. It's a big thing. I actually like buying skins because I really like the game. I've been playing it, I think, since season one. With, like, you know, pretty large breaks in and there. I'll, like, stop playing for six months, start playing again. But still... That's a long time to be playing a game that was free for me to start. And they used to have kind of bad practices when it came to money involving that game and paying to win with the old uh, rune system where you you could actually like literally buy stats and they took it out of the game. I mean, to be fair, you could also 
earn the stats by playing. You could earn the stats by playing. Admittedly, it took forever. It took... But it was a feature. It took forever, and you were strictly at a disadvantage for not spending the money. But the thing is, though, is that Riot has since taken that out of the game, and it's been, like, you know, a crazy amount of years since that's been gone. So, And they gave everybody in-game income for those items when they took it out. I got so much stuff when that got taken out. It was great. Yeah, right. Also, like, their loot, like, their crafting system is incredibly good as well. Because they kind of took, like, loot boxes that you see in something like Fortnite and Apex and all those type of games. And kind of took it a step further to give even the free-to-play players the option to, or the opportunity to acquire some of the skins that they might like in the game. Yeah, I think the way... Which, like, admittedly... Admittedly, it's not perfect. Like, it's not like you just get a shit ton of stuff. But it's also, it's something that the player base gets for free. That Riot didn't have to do that. But they did. I like the disenchanting a lot in League, where you can break something down into, like, orange essence to spend on a different skin you actually want. Where in other games, they just give you skins and be like, this is the one you have now. Actually be able to break them down. Because, like, I don't need, like, my ninth Master Yi skin or whatever, right? So... I have enough of those. <laughs> it's kind of nice to be able to break things down, save up, get what you want. You know, I don't need another ward skin, but it's nice that I think, you know, you can turn anything into anything. And it's not like wards have their own special tier of crafting materials and skins are their own special tier that shares from a pool, which is really good. You know, and I understand that, you know, some league skins are a little expensive, but you don't have to buy them because they're cosmetics. So it's like, you can just not spend the money if you don't want to. It's like not a yeah, big deal. Yeah, I, I think that 90% of League skins are just like priced correctly for their quality. Like, I don't think that there's any skin that like is like a 1350 skin. And you're like, wow, this skin isn't good enough to be a 1350 skin. I don't think that's something you see. No, and there's even updated old skins to make them look better over the years. Being like, hey, this one's really old. Can, we can update this a little bit now. We we all know about Shamrock Malphite, you know, and and I'm glad that things like that where it's just like, look, the brown thing's now green. It doesn't really happen anymore outside of chromas. And I think chromas are really actually kind of cool because they're not just palette swaps. It's not just literally a color. Like my favorite example is Master Yi's chroma for his snow skin actually changes his weapon and what it looks like, which I love. Like, I think that's a really cool thing. It's a very low investment to do that, but it adds some personalization. Sometimes I want to hit people with a carrot, sometimes the candy cane. And Riot lets you do that at a much more reasonable cost than a lot of other games put their skins at. Like, some of them are up to $20 for skins and characters and games. It's a lot. Yeah, I, I think I think when Chromas were initially rolled out, they got a lot of flack, and I think it was justified, because the first batch of Chromas was just, you're a different color! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing, though, but, is that they fix problems like that, which a lot of other people just don't bother fixing problems. Yeah, and especially w- with that, like, the Chromas on new skins are incredible. The Chromas on new skins actively change things, like uh, the Sugar Rush skin line, like Sugar Rush. If you buy a chrome on those, it actually, like, changes the entire skin, basically. Which is really cool. And that's the thing, too, is there's there's different ways to monetize your game. The way Riot does it, I think, is really good. One, 
one in particular I really don't like is uh, Dauntless. And this is a good example of a game for me that kind of bugs me with its monetization. I actually really like Dauntless. It's a free-to-play Monster Hunter-like game for people that don't know. And it's it's actually really good. I think that game is actually kind of fun. It's a much more relaxed version of Monster Hunter. And there's a very different cartoony aesthetic to it. Uh, it's cross-platform. And like you can play with people on different platforms. So I've actually managed to play on three different screens in my house. The problem with that game, and this is things that drives me nuts, is when they shove it in your face. When it's just like, buy this, buy this, buy this. Hey, you're you're breathing, right? Please buy this. And it's just, it's so forward-facing and pushes it on you. And the thing is, that stuff doesn't even affect progression. It's literally just cosmetic stuff, but it's every time you load up the game there's like a multi-page menu of things that tries to get you to buy things there's a store that's obviously as bright and as exuberant as possible in the plaza which is where you buy things and they'll advertise you to buy things in between loading screens sometimes too and i hate it when games do that it's like if i'm going to spend money on you promise you i will i will if i like your game but shoving it in somebody's face is really annoying. It's the reason I hate like 99% of mobile games. When they're like, you ran out of lives. You can watch an ad or hey, you can spend $20 on, on, on these little coins that let you keep playing. Because you ran out of lives. You need to wait for more energy. That stuff drives me nuts. I like it when your monetization is there and you let me know it's there. You put it in the little corner of your screen and be like, hey... If you want to buy something, it's over here. Not, oh my god, buy something. You've been playing our game so much. Please buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, I haven't played that much Dauntless because I, I dropped it pretty quick for Monster Hunter. But, so I don't really know anything about the monetization in that game. But that sounds like it would be annoying. Yeah. Oh, another one too that I think Apex Legends also has really bad monetization it's not that the fact that you can buy characters with money like the way league does it apex's characters are so freaking expensive yeah they are extremely expensive i think in here in canada i think they're around 18 dollars a piece yeah there's not a lot of them and they are really expensive i bought one i will admit it that game's really fun i bought one character okay so it's not like I'm the guy that's not spending money on these games, right? Like neither of us are the ones not spending money. I I also think Apex isn't the free to play model on Apex absurdly slow. Yes, it is absurdly slow. Like I think it's got to be somewhere around like a hundred, hundred fifty matches just to like earn enough to possibly buy one character if you're good at the game. Like it is slow. Yeah. And that's an issue with games that, like, offer to let you pay for progression. Like, when, like, something like unlocking a, um, a character. Or you saw this a lot in, like, mobile games or, like, Facebook browser games. Where you could, like, buy down your cooldowns and stuff like that. There has to be a middle ground. Like, I don't mind you being able to buy characters in Apex or buy champions in League. But the difference can't be... Like, like you said, like 150 games or $20. Because that's just like, 
that to me is just like 150 okay so basically you're telling me i can't buy a character for free so if i want these characters i'm spending 20 bucks okay thanks can we just put it like that instead <laughs> yeah and it, it's tough too because there's a lot of games that have unlocking in them like Warzone has unlocking it over time for weapons you can buy them too you can pay to buy experience magic arena also has this with their season pass where you can pay money to buy levels in their season pass wait what you can buy yeah you didn't know you could buy levels you could buy levels you want to buy some levels bro that that is awful. Yeah, they have a season pass, and then they have one that's season pass plus a certain amount of levels that you can buy. That's so bad. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's pretty egregious. Even they know people don't want to play their game. Like, we understand playing this game is awful. Can we encourage you to pay more money to play our game less? There we go. As long as we get your money. But even, too, in stuff like Warzone, it is hard, and in Call of Duty games in general... When your progression's gated by playing through the game in something that is multiplayer like that, which it is what it is. I don't mind grinding levels, but when I know that somebody could just like flop their credit card on the counter and be like, now who's level 100? This <laughs> is not my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I think that's a that's a big thing where like the, the there has to be some sort of difference between free to playing to level 100 and paying to get to level 100 if you want to have that sort of feature there has to be some kind of difference yeah and even too like season passes in general i actually don't like season passes in general and i'm gonna like stop buying them i think it i think it depends on how they're done i actually like the way that like the fates pass is done in league i actually really like Oh, really now? Like the TFT passes? Yeah, don't... I feel like maybe riots are a little bit more reasonable, but a lot of them are like $35 for a season pass. And then there's four seasons in a year, so people are paying like up to $140 a year for season passes in a game. Well, aren't you just playing a subscription-based game then? Yeah, pretty much. It's just like, it's like a hidden sub-fee for people that want season passes. And that's like a big thing, uh, Fortnite, Apex, Call of Duty, all these things. Like pretty, pretty much any game you play that has shooting involved in it has a season's pass in some way, shape, or form outside it. Uh, even Destiny does too, doesn't it? I believe Destiny has a season's pass that is entirely cosmetics. Yeah. There, there's, I don't like the way the progression, like how some games are progressing monetarily with season passes like i understand when your game's free to play you need to make money on it but there definitely is a line which i think lee does a good job of writing the line where other games just get a little out of hand yeah and i think i think a big thing for me and the reason like a season's pass in destiny doesn't really irk me the same way because a lot of the times the season's passes actually signify some sort of change in the game if that makes sense. Like, the world actually changes around the season's passes in Destiny, and actually, like, gets different content and things, even beyond just expansions. Oh, I did not know that. Which makes me, like, not have as big of an issue with it. But, like, something like, I know Rocket League had a season's pass. Like, I used to play it a little bit. And just, like, 
a season's pass in a game like that just irks you the wrong way because it feels like it should just be something that comes with the game. Like, if you want to give me cosmetics and give me rewards for playing the game, just, like, have it be a thing. Yeah. Of course, the king, though, the king of all monetization models that I hate is fighting games. Those are the worst. And you know what? Street Fighter and Tekken, the guys that make those games, can go fuck themselves. And I don't... I don't really care. There's a big difference here, though. I think Smash Brothers is great. I think the way Smash Brothers did their their uh, characters is awesome. Smash Brothers did a really cool thing where they took all of their optional characters and made them weird. Which I kind of like. Like, Piranha Plant is like odd joker from persona is like weird like there's a bunch of like odd characters like that that feel like bonus content because they wouldn't normally be there where something like tekken or street fighter taking mainline story characters that are inside of cutscenes within the game's story mode and putting them behind a paywall that you can't free to play earn feels awful i think the big thing that ultimate did right is every character that had existed in an in a smash bros game before is included in the game itself yeah like that lineup is every insane. single one of the dlc characters are brand new and a lot of them are doing new things as well yeah and i think it's totally fine like i'm all for adding in content later so like say something like mortal Kombat adds in the terminator or negan like that's totally fine with me that's weird stuff. I don't have to pay. For, like, I don't have to pay for it. It's not a big deal. They're not a part of the universe, but they're just fun ways for the company, A, to make a few dollars, B, get some marketing out there, and C, pay their employees bonuses. Because a lot of companies actually give incentives to programmers and designers for different things added into games, which is something I didn't even know about until recently, which is actually like, really cool. But things like like Streeter and Tech, uh, Tekken and Street Fighter adding things in that should have been in there in the first place and are there on release as DLC is just so egregious and money hungry. And so your game's already $80 up here. And to get the rest of the characters, you want me to spend another 160 for mainline characters that aren't anything special that you had programmed already in the first place. That drives me nuts. Yeah. I think that DLC that directly affects like the game itself on release, like I don't think that a game should ever be released with release DLC. That that doesn't I hard sit agree. well with me. Yeah, agree. And like there's something like where like a WoW expansion or a Destiny expansion or like even like Dungeon Defenders Awakened is shipping with cosmetic dlc which i think is totally fine yeah, that's fine because it's completely different but dlc that actually like messes with your game itself like actually changes the content of your game probably shouldn't exist on release no release dlc that affects the game just feels like it feels so greedy if your game already costs money like, if your game's free-to-play and you have something there on release, it's still not great if it's not just cosmetic. 
but I get it. So, like, say, like, Destiny 2 is free to play right now. And there's stuff there, which is fine to me. Because they give you so much game to play before you have to pay for anything. But, like you said, when something's there on release, it just feels awful. Which is just like Street Fighter and Tekken. A lot of fighting games are like that. Where there's just, like, things there on release that you can spend money on. And, you know, it really disincentivizes people to buy it immediately. Even, like, if you have a Seasons Pass that's there on release... And you're like, hey, our DLC's out in like a month. That feels kind of shitty. Uh, the worst one, though, is uh, Azura's Wrath, which is a uh, oddball little uh, game. Had the actual ending to the game as DLC. So when you beat the game, it lets you know that wasn't the true ending. And it asks you if you want to buy it. You want to talk about some egregious DLC? There's one for you. Sorry, your princess is in a pay-for castle. Would you like to save Peach for $100, please? <laughs> that one's really bad. I had to throw that one in there for you. No, and this is the thing, too, is like a lot of these free-to-play games out here are doing it right. They're not having a lot of release stuff that's gating content. You know, like... Like, Rocket League going free-to-play, I think, is awesome. I really like the way they're doing that. And Fortnite, even though there is a lot of buy stuff in there, I never felt pushed to buy anything when I even I played Fortnite. And they don't gate content behind it, which is also really nice, so... I know, there's obviously... Yeah, that's a... I think I think a lot of it comes down to how the game feels, and I don't want to feel like I'm playing a game that's incomplete because I don't want to spend money. Yeah. You should release a complete game if you're making me pay for it. If it is free to play, and that's why it's not as big of a deal. I think that, yeah, I, I think that DLC kind of hits like a hard spot because, like, there's a lot of games that do DLC really well where they give you a completed game and then four months or six months down the line, however long it is, they give you a DLC that adds to that game. Like, um, XCOM. Like, War of the Chosen was a DLC that adds to the game. Even, like, shooters do this. I mean, I'm not a fan of the games themselves, and I wouldn't ever pay for the DLC, but something like Call of Duty. Call of Duty does their map packs. They are new content. You're getting a completed game, and then there is new content you can buy as DLC. As soon as it hit the, hits the point where you feel like you're getting an incomplete game and then they're fixing it with DLC is where I start to have the issue. Yeah, hard to agree. The thing is, too, that people complain sometimes that map packs aren't free. Well, you know what? Making those maps and programming it also wasn't free. No, no, no. The company's already made enough money. Are you sure? I, I... I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And people's... That's my... I think... I think that's the stupidest argument you can make. Because... And it's this argument you hear occasionally. Like, especially online on, like, Twitter and stuff like that. Like, Reddit and all those places. But people, like, have this idea that because a company has a successful game, they can just stop making money and not, like, charge for DLC or, like, put anything out that makes more money. Because I guess once your game's successful, 
operating costs just don't exist. Yeah, don't you know that? Once the game's done, everyone stops working, goes home, and just, like, makes enough money to live for the rest of their life. Mm, yeah. Of course. And you you don't you don't go on to, like, develop a new game no. or do bug fixing and server maintenance on that. No, no, that no. Servers happen. are free to run. Didn't you know this? <laughs> yeah, and even, too, like, some of these big games that come out have much more cost to them than people think they do too like something like grand theft auto for example costs so much like just like an astronomical amount of money an unbelievable amount of money spent to make that game and they still have grand theft auto online which has stuff you can pay for it you can kind of pay for progression in that game but on the other hand too running a server with that many people on it it's got to be insanely expensive and I know they've added plenty of content to that game without making you pay for it. So it's like, sorry, they need to make money. And everyone's like, oh, they made a million dollars off of it. I'm like, yeah, they probably also paid their employees an absurd amount of money for making that game. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, there are very few companies that operate on massive margins. Most companies, your revenue or your like your net your gross revenue is relatively close to your expenses, and then you get a little bit on the top that becomes bonuses for your employees or bonuses for the boss or gets invested into the next game or whatever. Yeah, and there's a lot of reinvestment that needs to happen in games because you have to buy new technology to keep up with everything. You have to keep you know your servers going. You have to renew licenses, like. There's so a lot of back end, and companies should be allowed to make money. And if companies weren't allowed to make money, nobody would be ordering Amazon packages during this time. You know, like, it's the same kind of thing to me. It's just like, allow companies to make money because they are there to either sell you a service or give you something to do to pass the time, like something fun, like sheer entertainment value. So it's like, as long as the company's being ethical about it and not gating progress in a game through money to an egregious extent, I really just don't have a problem with companies making money. You know, when when you put an, an unpassable task in a game, though, where you have to spend money to, like, beat a level, that's egregious. Which I know mo some mobile games do do that. Just drop the game and don't play it. Yeah. It's like, don't get, like fish hooked into something monetarily because a lot of them especially mobile games will try to do that to you at some point and it's not going to get better once you're past that one level it's just going to keep getting worse and it's how they get you into playing these games yeah believe it or not I think companies should make money though you know mm-mm no? Company's evil. Company evil, no money make? Mm hmm Can we start making money? <laughs> That's what you have a day job for. Oof. <laughs> Damn you, day job. <laughs> we just we can get you know, get an OnlyFans going, you know? Uh, just only calf pictures though. You only get to see my calf, okay? So if you want to see my calf, you know, let us know. <laughs> And I broke Michael. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> no, I just... 
as someone who does spend a fair amount of time, like, in, like, interacting with people around games and, like, reading what people have to say and, like, looking into things, the this concept of a company is bad for releasing a product that costs money just pisses me off to no end. Yeah, it's just... Like, if you're gonna sit there and, like, w- with, like, people in the League community who get upset because a new skin is more expensive than they want it to be, okay, don't buy it, but also, like... Riot needs to make money. Yeah, sure, they're a massive company. They also probably have one of the highest upkeep costs of any game company in the world, if not the highest. Beaten only maybe by, like, wow. Yeah, it's just... like Between the tournaments they hold, the R&D development of everything that they're doing, where they're located... Server maintenance, constant patches. Yeah, you know, renting out offices, paying their employees, making sure people are paid well that's the thing too is just like if you don't allow companies to make money guess what you're never getting a raise if you work in a company if they're not allowed to make money no one's gonna get bonuses no one's gonna get christmas off if they're not making money there's nothing wrong with making money there's other ethical things that could go wrong to where that company should stop making money but that's like a completely separate thing and that you know involves things like you know child labor is pretty awful or not paying your employees the overtime that they're uh, entitled to, or, you know, grinding up baby seals into your canned tuna. Like, these are kind of things you shouldn't allow. But, you know, releasing a $10 skin in a game that you don't have to buy that doesn't affect the game at all, except it makes your character look prettier. Like, just back off. There's no reason to complain about this kind of shit. You know? It's like, if you're so worried about that, then go do something with your life that, like, has more meaning to it than, like, complaining about skins online if you think you're that ethical and that special, you know? It's like you're... It's like there's literally, like, genocide going across the world, but I'm going to spend my ten minutes to complain about, hey, man, this skin Riot put in is offending me because uh, it's $10 and money. <laughs> it's like, find something better to do with your freaking time. <laughs> Yeah, and the thing is, is companies don't have any obligation to you. Nope. And you also don't have any obligation to them. You do not have to buy that skin, and they don't have to care if you like or don't like the way they're making money. Yeah. The only the only thing that you can do is not buy that skin. Yeah. Or not buy the new magic set. Or not buy the DLC. Or not buy the Seasons Pass. Whatever it is. Yeah. It's just like FOMO, like fear missing out, isn't their fault. It's your fault. You know? It's just like, no, that's on you. If you have a problem with missing out on something, you have this anxiety about not having the next new thing. It's just like, that's your fault. It's not a company's fault. Companies need to progress. They need to make money. And things need to constantly be moving forward. The one thing that is constant, though, too, is that you don't have to spend your money on it. You know, and it's just like if you don't like playing games where like your deck can get banned and you can't financially keep up, then you shouldn't be playing it because obviously it is not financially viable for you to keep playing it. There are other games you can play or you can just play at your kitchen table and screw whatever ban list a game is. You don't have to be part of a competitive circuit for a game and 99% of people that think they're going to make it competitively in a game aren't. Stop trying to be competitive if it's draining your wallet. Because if you can't 
be financially stable by being competitive, then you aren't being competitive. You know, it's just like the same thing goes for things like poker, too, which have monetization in it in different ways. It's just like if you aren't making enough money at this thing to maintain it, you are not being competitive. It is not your job. Stop it. Yeah. And I mean, if you're someone who has the disposable income and wants to do it, go ahead. Yeah. Knock yourself out. But if you're somebody but... who's buying like craft Dinner and that's the only thing you can afford to eat and you're like instant ramen noodles and occasionally Chipotle on payday, it's like, just knock it off. Do something else. <laughs> yeah, it's just... I feel like way too much pressure is put on companies from people not being responsible for their own actions. And it's like, there are things that are egregious out there. And sure, we can... You know, hold companies to task for things that are egregious and are not okay and are literally just money grabbing. You know, if like a game shuts off for you because you didn't pay money into it, don't pay money into it because that is something that should not be allowed. But, you know, a $10 skin is something completely different than that. It's just optional things you don't need to touch. Also, if you have the issue with a monetization method of anything, don't play it. Yeah. It's, it's not that hard to stop playing. You just got to, like, have some, you know, introspective, you know, mindset and just be like, hey, I don't like this thing. Maybe I should stop. But, you know, like, most people don't. Most people keep dumping money into something, even if it sucks. I mean, I went too far with, like, continuing magic. And now I'm, like, not playing anymore. You know, I, I literally bought an entry ticket to something this weekend and then didn't do it because I was just like, you know what? That's enough. Screw this. And, you know, I chose to play Clash, you know, the League of Legends tournament, with my friends instead, because I'm like, this will be way more fun. And this is free. <laughs> so I think that's what it comes down to, right? It's just if you want to support a company, support it. If you don't, don't. And... If you're not being responsible while playing a game because you're spending too much money on it, uninstall it. Let somebody know you uninstalled it. And if they catch you online, have them come over to your house and smack some sense to you. You know? Maybe we'll get, like, some COVID while you're at it, you know? And then you'll really learn your fucking lesson. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I really got much more than that. You know, it's just... <laughs> Companies are allowed to make money. You don't have to spend money. They'll make it without you. And you know what? If something they're doing is egregious and we all get this mindset of not supporting things that are out of line, then the things that are out of line will stop making money. And they'll have to change. Mm, unless the company doesn't need to make money and is just doing it to be evil. And then, you know what? Then, then, then we'll know. Then we'll know. Lex Luthor will come down his mighty tower <laughs> and be like i'm broke <laughs> you guys what happened <laughs> oh my god why can't people just be responsible for themselves that's way too much to ask uh... <laughs> anywho anything else you want no, I think that's pretty much it. Well, a little bit of the good, a little bit of the bad. Yeah. A little bit of the get over yourself. Yeah.
Believe it or not, you can be responsible for your own actions. Well, I think now I'm just going to go start up our Patreon. Start up our OnlyFans. I'm going to start up with our mailing service. I think we should start collecting letters to Santa Claus, too. And then, like, you know, have a loot box system with that. <laughs> you know, I think I think we can do a lot with this, man. <laughs> I think we're I think we're sitting on a gold mine. <laughs> well, obviously you can find us on Twitter. You can email us. You can send carrier pigeon if somehow you know what my address is. No, I'm not giving it to you. Just no. <laughs> Anywho, y'all stay safe out there. Have fun. And uh, quit playing Magic the Gathering because nobody should be playing it anymore unless you're playing it casually. <laughs>